0: Hello there, this is Isaac, your host, and this is episode one of the PPPP Pod. And in this episode, we are going to be digging into chapter one of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Party. I promise to keep this a clean podcast. There will be no swear words. And I am going to keep a tally, and I will tell you at the end of the podcast how many I have. Of all the similes and metaphors Tolkien has and when when we get through the book i will see how many beautiful analogies he has put in here and now without further ado let us get into the hobbit now i am going to start with the hobbit instead of the lord of the rings i read it first and i think that it the order that you should probably read it, the books in is the hobbit first and then the lord of the rings so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to get i'm going to go through The Hobbit, and then after that, The Lord of the Rings, uh, Solmarillion, Unfinished Tales, anything else I can find out there. But I'm going to start right here. I'm going to start with The Hobbit. Now, the thing that strikes in, strikes me as kind of interesting in this is that Tolkien first gives a description of, he doesn't even give us The Hobbit's name yet. He gives a description of his home. So already you, you can see that ho- this Hobbit is quite... A kind of a well-to-do hobbit, like he says earlier. He says it. He describes his door, um, his floors, his. It's clear he's clearly has quite a large home. And then it's a. There's a. The hobbits live underground, by the way, and it's it's basically a maze of tunnels is what it is, and everything is clearly all spiffied up, it's, as it says, it's a very well-to-do hobbit. The tunnel wound on and on, going fairly but not quite straight into the side of the hill, the hill, as all the people for many miles round called it, and many little round doors opened out of it, first on one side and then on another. So, you get from this right away that hobbits are clearly not or whoever lives in this, is clearly not going... They don't go on huge, like, long journeys or anything. I mean, the, the hill. I mean, the, there's... You don't need to say the southwest hill under the yada yada yada. The, the, the hill. And then, the ho- this hobbit was a well to, very well-to-do hobbit, and his name was Baggins. The Bagginses had lived in the neighborhood of the Hill for time out of mind, and, mo- and people considered them very respectable. Not only because most of them were rich, but also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a ba- Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. And then he gives an introduction, a kind of an overview: "Is this is how the st- this is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure." and found, in, found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. <laughs> he may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained, well, you will see what he gained in the end. And then it goes on to talk a bit about this hobbit's genealogy and his, well, and then it, And then it says right here, what is a hobbit? I suppose hobbits need some description nowadays since they have become rare and shy of the big people, as they call us. They are or were a little people about half our height and smaller than the bearded dwarves. So already, like, there are a lot, like, countless fairy tales that have dwarves in them. Not a lot that have hobbits, but countless ones that have dwarves in them. So already you have a pretty good picture of this. They have no beards, there is little or no magic about them, except the ordinary everyday sort, which helps them disappear quietly and quickly, when large stupid folk like you and me come blundering along, making a noise like elephants, which they can hear a mile off. And then he gives a description of their dress, and their their feet grow natural leathery soles, and... Thick, warm, brown hair like the stuff on their heads, which is curly, um, and they they, um, they give good-natured faces and deep, l- fruity laughs, especially after dinner, which they have twice a day when they can get it. So you can see, you can tell right away here, hobbits are decent folk. They're they're the ordinary people you might say, and then. The mother of... So then he, he goes on with the genealogy. Um, they talk about uh, Bilbo, this hobbit. Um, his mother um, was named... was the famous Belladon Took. One of the two, Took. i I'm going to call it Took. One of the three remarkable daughters of the old Took, head of the hobbits who lived across the water, the small river that ran at the foot of the hill. And then... It was often said in other families that long ago one of the Took ancestors must have taken a fairy wife. That was, of course, absurd, but certainly there was still something not entirely Hobbit-like about them. And once in a while, members of the Took clan would go and have adventures. They discreetly disappeared, and the family hushed it up But the fact remained that the Tooks were not as respectable as the Bagginses, though they were undoubtedly richer." So then, they talk about Bilbo's father, uh, his name was Bungo, that he built the most luxurious hobbit hole, and that was to be found either under the hill or over the hill or across the water. And then, it's, and then it goes on with the story, they say, um, they say the chance never, um... Still, it's probable that Bilbo, her only son, so this is this is the name of the Hobbit, they finally give it. Although he looked and behaved exactly like a second edition of his solid and comfortable father, got something a bit queer in his makeup from the Tuck side, something that only waited for a chance to come out. The chance never arrived until Bilbo Baggins was grown-up, being about 50 years old or so, In living in the beautiful hobbit hole built by his father, which I have just described for you, until he had, in fact, apparently settled down unmovably. And then, um... And then, the other thing that I think is interesting is Tolkien... Tolkien, he was very much against, like, the, kind of the industrial revolution, and, like, the quote-unquote progress... Uh, because of what what it was doing to the environment and to nature. And he actually says, When there was less noise and more green, and hobbits were, the hobbits were still numerous and prosperous, and Bilbo Baggins was standing at his door, smoking an enormously long wooden pipe that reached nearly down to his woolly toes, <laughs> neatly brushed, Gandalf came by. And then he kind of says he says, if if you would only heard a quarter of what I have heard about him, you would have, heard, and I have only heard little of, very little of all there is to hear, you would have been prepared for any sort of remarkable tales. And then it talks a little bit about Gandalf, um, and that he hadn't been to the Shire for, to the, to the hill for a really long time, and that he, he knew the old Took, um, And he'd been there. He hadn't been there for a really long time, and it gives a bit of his description: an old man with a staff. He had a tall, pointed blue hat, a long gray cloak, a silver scarf over which his long white beard hung down below his waist, and immense black boots. And then it gives a bit of he kind. He has a bit of a back and forth with Bilbo. Um, and Bilbo asks him to do a little smoking with him, blow some smoke rings, and then Gandalf says, very pretty, but I have no time to blow smoke rings. This morning I am looking for someone to share in an adventure that I am arranging, and it's very difficult to find anyone. And Bilbo says, I should think so in these parts. Um... He uh, gives a bit of his uh, opinion for adventures. Um, uh, He kind of pretended to ignore the... Take no more notice of the old man. He had decided that he was not quite his sort and wanted him to go away. But the old man did not move. He stood leaning on his stick and gazing at the hobbit without saying anything till Bilbo got quite uncomfortable and even a little cross. Gandalf has a habit of doing that. Um, and, um, he's, like, and then Bilbo is kind of, like, get out of here, and just decide, he kind of slams the door in their face, <laughs> in his face, and, um, can't kind of, um, get they kind of decide, or actually, he doesn't quite, not yet, but they, he, he's, like, a bit of alarmed that, he, that it's Gandalf, um, they, uh, the, not the fellow who used to tell such wonderful tales at parties about dragons and goblins and giants and the rescue of princesses and the unexpected luck of widowed sons, not the man that used to make such particularly excellent fireworks. Um, So Gandalf and they, all of these things prove that Gandalf's this wandering wizard. He clearly has a lot of power. And... Bilbo, and then... Um, Bilbo's a bit alarmed and annoyed, and he finally decides that he's going to, he's like, he's, he's like, goodbye, but he actually asks him very foolishly to come to tea tomorrow just to kind of get, to get rid of him, and he scuttled inside his round green door and shut it as quickly as he dared not to seem rude. Wizards are, after all, are wizards. And then Gandalf, in the meantime, was still standing, this is important, was still standing outside the door and laughing long but quietly. After a while, he stepped up and with a spike on his staff, scratched a queer sign on the Hobbit's beautiful green front door. Then he strode away. And then the neck we go to the next day. The next day he had almost forgotten about Gandalf. He did not remember things very well unless he put them down on his engagement tablet, like this. Gandalf T Wednesday. Um and then he eventually hears a knock at the door. He rushes to the door and he's like, Okay, well he thinks it's Gandalf, but it turns out it's not. It's a dwarf. And a blue beard tucked into a golden belt, very bright eyes under his dark green hood. As soon as the door was open, he pushed inside, just as if he had been expected. Um, his name's Dwalin. Um. He asks for some. uh he Bilbo thinks he's maybe he could give him some tea, and he goes and fetches him. Of tea, they had not been at table long. In fact, they had hardly reached the. Th- they started. They started eating seed cakes when there came an even louder ring at the bell. Um, and then he thinks it's this has to be Gandalf this time. It's not. There's another door. A very old-looking dwarf with a beard and a scarlet hood. I see they have begun to arrive already. He said when he caught sight of dwelling. and his the dwarf's name is Balin. Um sooner or later Thank you said Bilbo with a gasp. It was not the correct thing to say, but they they have begun to arrive had flustered him badly. He liked visitors, but he liked to know them before they arrived and he preferred to ask them himself. And then eventually more dwarves start showing up. Um we have Feely and Keely. Um, and Dory, Nori, Ori, Oin, and Gloin. (laughs) Um, and sooner or later, this hobbit, who is, like, totally, totally uncomfortable with adventures, now has how many dwarves sitting around his table, and still Gandalf hasn't shown up yet! (laughs) And then, a big jug of coffee had just been set in the hearth, the seed cakes were gone, And the dwarves were starting on a round of buttered scones when there came a loud knock. Not a ring, but a hard rat tat on the hobbit's beautiful green door. Somebody was banging with a stick. Bilbo rushed along the passage, very angry and altogether bewildered and bewildered. This was the most awkward Wednesday he ever remembered. He pulled open the door with a jerk and thud the they all felt that there's a big pile-up, uh, three dwarves fall in, and there was Gandalf behind, leaning on his staff and laughing. <laughs> um, and then the dwarves' names are Bifer, Bopher, Bomber, and Thorin, <laughs> and, uh, they, they give, this is the first time, they, Bomber is immensely fat, they just, um, and then Thorn, an enormously important dwarf, in fact, it was no other than the great Thorin Oakenshield himself, who was not at all pleased at falling flat on Bilbo's mat with Bifer, Bofur, and Bomber on top of him, um, and then they start asking him for, I mean, Bilbo is just, like, He's gone nuts. I mean, if they had all shown up at once, he would have sent them off. And now Gandalf has tricked him into getting all of these dwarves inside his house. Um, And they want red wine and raspberry jam and apple tart and mince pies and cheese and pork pie and salad and more cakes and ale and coffee, if you don't mind. Called the other dwarves through the door. Put on a few eggs. There's a good fellow. Gandalf called him as the hobbit's called after him as the hobbit stumped off to the pantries and just bring out the cold chicken and pickles so you can clearly see just from this you can see that hobbits are they're good eaters i mean they they love good food and good drink and bilbo says seems to know as much about the inside of my lodgers as i do myself um who is flummoxed he likes to use that He get he gets stuck on this word flummoxed in the hobbit and was beginning to wonder whether a most wretched adventure had not come right into his house. Um and then eventually he was he got kind of annoyed that the dwarves weren't trying to help. He said, Confiscate and be bother these dwarves, he said aloud. Why don't they come and lend a hand? And then eventually Balin and Dwalin do help him. And They eat and eat and eat and eat. And then excuse me, they start, they decide they're going to start washing up and put the, put the uh, dishes away, and then they start singing this song, um, because they are, like, just being, like, they're, uh, off they went, not waiting for trays, balancing columns of plates, each with a bottle on top with one hand, while the hobbit ran after them, almost squeaking with fright. Please be careful, and please don't trouble, I can manage. But the dwarves only started to sing. Chip the glasses and crack the plates. Blunt the knives and bend the forks. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. Smash the bottles and burn the corks. Cut up the cloth and tread on the fat. Pour the milk on the pantry floor. Leave the bones on the bedroom mat. Splash the wine on every door. Dump the crocks in a boiling bowl. Pound them with the thumping pole, and when, and when you're finished, if any are whole, send them down the hall to room. So that's what Bilbo Baggins hates so carefully, carefully with the plates. And of course, they did none of these dreadful things, and everything was clean, was clean and put away safe as and qu- as quick as lightning. And then Gandalf and Thorne are doing a bit of smoke ring fun. And they do some music, too. I'm going to do some... They, it, it just dis, it describes, like, so sudden and sweet that Bilbo forgot everything else and was swept away into dark lands under strange moons, far over the water and very far from his hobbit hole under the hill. And then... And this was a fragment of their song, if it can be like their song without their music. Far over the misty mountains, cold, to dungeons deep in caverns old, we must away our break of day to seek the pale enchanted gold. The dwarves of yore made mighty spells, while hammers fell like ringing bells. In places deep where dark things sleep, in hollow halls beneath the fells. For ancient king and elvish lord, there many a gleaming golden hoard. They shaped and wrought in light they caught, to hide in gems on hilt of sword. On silver necklaces they strung, the flowering stars on crowns they hung. The dragon fire on twisted wire, they meshed the light of moon and sun. Far over the misty mountains, cold to dungeons, deep in caverns old. We must away ere break of day to claim our long-forgotten gold. And then there's a bit more. Um, As they sang, the hobbit felt the love of beautiful things made by hands and by cunning and by magic moving through them. And then, this is the part I love. Then something Tookish woke up inside him, and he wished to go and see the great mountains, and hear the pine trees and the waterfalls, and explore the caves, and wear a sword instead of a walking stick. And then they, they... They kind of go through a bit of an introduction. Um... Thorin starts kind of droning on and on about, um, Gandalf dwarves and Mr. Baggins, we were met together in the house of our friend and fellow conspirator, this most excellent and audacious hobbit, may the hair on his toes never fall out, all praise to his wine and ale, he paused for a breath and for a polite remark from the hobbit, but the compliments were quite lost on poor Bilbo Baggins, who was wagging his mouth in protest of being called audacious. And worst of all, a fellow conspirator, though no noise came out. He was so flummoxed. Again, he used that word. So Thorin went on. We we are meant to discuss our play, plans, our ways, means, policies. And then it kind of goes on. Um. And then this, this was Thorin's style. He was an important dwarf. If he had been allowed, he would have probably have gone on like this until he was out of breath without telling anyone there anything that was not known already. But he was rudely interrupted. Poor Bilbo can't bear it couldn't bear it any longer. At May Never Return, he began to feel a shriek coming up inside, and very soon it burst out like the whistle of an engine coming out of a tunnel. Um there's a simile I am going to tally this down. All the dwarves sprang up, knocking over the table. Gandalf struck a blue light on the end of his staff, and of his magic staff. So, yeah, Gandalf's, so Gandalf's a wizard. We learn that his staff's magic right here. Um, the hobbit kind of goes a little bit, not crazy, he just, he has a bit of a fright. And they kind of, they put him out of the way in a different room. Um... They, uh, they give a bit of background... I like this. They give a bit of background about... uh Bilbo's great-grandfather... Great-granduncle, Bullroarer... Who was so huge for a hobbit... That he could ride a horse. He charged the ranks of the goblins of Mount Graham... In the Battle of the Greenfields... And knocked their king golfambules... head clean off with of the wooden club. It sailed a hundred yards through the air... And went down a rabbit hole... And in this way, the battle was won... And the game of golf invented at the same moment. And then... So... Bilbo's kind of waking up from his fright. Um, he gets a bit upset about what they're talking about him, and he goes in and into the into their into the room where the dwarves and Gandalf are discussing. He says, "Bilbo, you are you are a fool." You, many a time afterwards, the Baggin's part regretted what he did. Now, and he said to himself, "Bilbo, you are a fool. You walked right in and put your foot in it." pardon me, he said, if I have overheard words that you were saying, I don't pretend to understand what you are talking about or your reference to burglars, but I think I am right in believing uh, that I am no, that you think I am no good, I will show you, I have no signs on my door, it was painted a week ago, and I am quite sure you have come to the wrong house, as soon as I saw your funny faces on the doorstep, I had my doubts, but treat it as the right one, tell Tell me what you want done, and I will try it. If I have to walk from here to the east of the east, and fight the wild wereworms in the last desert, and then talks about bull, bull roar. Um. And then, of course, there's a marks at Gandalf. Um. Uh, <coughs> but he kind of prevents that he kind of, um, he he almost, he kind of glares at the dwarves and Bilbo when they try to argue with them, and he's like, that's right, let's have no more arguments, I have chosen Mr. Baggins, and that ought to be enough for all of you. If I say he is a burglar, a burglar he is, or will be, when the time comes. There is a lot more in him than you guess, and a deal more than he has any idea of himself. You may, possibly, all live to thank me yet. Now, Bilbo, my boy, fetch the lamp, and let's have a little light on this. And then they go through. On the they, they um give a bit of background on the um a map that um they Gandalf brings that he brings out a map. They get a, they talk a bit about that. Um, they 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 there's. A, they realize there's a, there's a trap door or a um yeah there's a secret door in the mountain and um oh and then Ganoff's also went on off. I forgot to mention that the map with the map went a key a small and curious key. "'Here it is,' he said, and handed to Thorne a key with a long barrel and intricate wards made of silver. "'Keep it safe.' "'Indeed I will,' said Thorne, and he fastened it upon a fine chain that hung about his neck and under his jacket. "'Now things begin to look more hopeful. This news alters them for the better. "'So far we have had no clear idea what to do. "'We thought of going east as quiet and, care- and careful as we could as far as the long lake.' After that, the trouble would begin. A long time before that, if I know anything about the roads east, interrupted Gandalf. Um, they st- and then they start ta- talking about a lot of things that Bilbo doesn't understand and that a reader wouldn't understand. So I'm not going to go over them until they talk about the actual background. F- and then, so yeah, right here. First, I should like to know a bit more about things," said he. Said Bilbo. Feeling all confused and a bit shaky inside, but so far still too tukishly determined to go on with things. I mean, about the gold and then and how it got there and who it belongs to and so on and further. Um. Oh, very well," said Thorin. "Long ago, my m- in my grandfather Thor's time, our family was driven out of the far north and came back with all their wealth and their tools to this mountain on the map. It had been discovered by my far ancestor Thrain the Old." But now they mined, and they tunneled, and they made huger halls and grand greater workshops. In addition, I believe they found a, great deal of go- a good deal of gold and a great many jewels, too. Anyway, they grew immensely rich and famous, and my, and my grandfather was king under the mountain again, and treated with great reverence by the mortal men who lived to the south, and were gradually spreading up the running river as far as the valley o- overshadowed by the mountain. They built the merry town of Dale there in those days. Kings used to send for our smiths and reward even the least skillful, most richly. Fathers would beg a- us to take their sons as apprentices and pay us handsomely, especially in food supplies, which we bother- never bothered to grow or find for ourselves. Altogether, though those were very g- were good days for us, and the poorest of us had money to spend and to lend, in leisure to make beautiful things just for the fun of it, not to speak of the most marvelous and magical toys, the like of which is not to be found in the world nowadays. So they talk about how the dwarves of the Lonely of the Mountain prospered, and then they, uh, but, um, they they give a bit of a history lesson on uh, the dragon Smaug comes down from the north, and. Stole their gold, killed most of the dwarves, and destroyed Dale. And Thorin escaped because he was not in the Lonely Mountain. Um, yeah, a fine, adventurous lad, always wondering about and it, saved my life that day. Well, from a good way off, we saw the dragon settle on our mountain in a spout of flame. Then he came down the slopes, and when he reached the woods, they all went up in fire. By that time, all the bells were ringing in Dale, and the warriors were arming. The dwarves rushed out of their great gate, but there there was the dragon for, waiting for them. None escaped that way. The river rushed up in a steam, and a fog fell on Dale. And in the fog, the dragon came on them and destroyed the warriors. The usually unhappy story. Um, And then the, they talk about the dragon took over the mountain gobbled up a lot of people of Dale until um Dale was a ruin um we mean we still and to bring our curses home to Smaug so Thorin gives a bit of background on like uh we we want to be able to we, we want to go back and get that gold from Smaug and bring our curses home to Smaug if we can um, and then they talk about the map. "'I should like to know how Gandalf got hold of it "'and why it did not come down to me, the rightful heir. "'I did not get hold of it. I was given it,' said the wizard. "'Your grandfather, Thor was killed, you remember, "'in the mines of Morio by Azog the Goblin. "'Curse his name, yes,' said Thorin. "'And Thrain, your father, went away on the 21st of April, "'a hundred years ago, last Thursday, "'and has never been seen by you since.' "'True, true,' said Thorne. "'Well, your father gave me this to give to you, "'and if I have chosen my own time and way for handing it over, "'you can hardly blame me, considering the trouble I had to find you. "'Your father could not remember his own name when he gave me the paper, "'and he never told me yours, so on the whole I think I ought to be praised and thanked. "'Here it is,' said he, handing the map to Thorne. Um, your grandfather said so the wizard slowly and grimly gave the map to his son for safety before he went into the Mines of Moria. So, um, and a lot, and lots of event. Um, Thorin's gra- uh, father, or grandfather, or father, father was. Try, went out to try, to his, he called try his luck with the map and the mountain, and to try to go get the treasure back. And then, how he got, uh, he had lots of adventures of a most unpleasant sort he had, but he never got near the mountain. How he got there, I don't know, but I found him a prisoner in the dungeons of the Necromancer. And then, whatever were you doing there, I asked Thorne with a shudder and all the dwarves shivered. Never you mind, I was finding things out as usual and a nasty dangerous business it was. Even I, Gandalf, only just escaped. So right here we get that Necromancer is is a sorcerer greater than Gandalf. Um and then they're kinda of, the dwarves throughout the idea maybe we should go try to give a thought to the Necromancer. And then Genov's like, "Don't be absurd. He is an enemy far beyond the powers of all the dwarfs put together. Um, and the dragon of the mountain are more than big enough tasks for you. You don't. You don't need to be worrying about the necromancer." And then they they are discussing the, the purpose of the um, the existence of a side door in the in their mountain the dwarf mountain and possi- the fact that possibly the, the the dragon can't get in there and possibly the key is for the side door and possibly they can get in there. And then they talk about breakfast, which is usual, Is usual putting Bill, poor Bilbo a lot to work. And then the Habit had to find room for the mall and fill all his spare rooms. And Bilbo, again, like... He is having this internal, kind of an internal battle with himself at this point. He's like, do I stay behind or do I go out And with the Turkish part of him? and Do I go with these dwarves? And, um, you know, I-, I am a smaller person. I can get into the tight places. Do I go with these? And eventually he decides, yes, I am going to go. And, or at least for the present he does. The Tookishness was wearing off, and he was now, not now quite sure that he was going on any journey in the morning, at least for the present. And he, as he lay in bed, he could hear Thorin still humming to himself in the best bedroom next to him. Far over the misty mountains, cold to dungeons deep and caverns old, we must away at break of day to find our lost forgotten gold. Bilbo went to sleep with that in his ears, and it gave him very uncomfortable dreams. It was long after the break of day when he woke up. And that concludes Chapter 1 of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Party. I found one simile in there. And I think I'm going to do a thing where at the end of each episode, I'm going to say my favorite quote from that episode. My favorite quote from this one is when they were talking about Bullroar Took. Um, when he knocked their, he charged the ranks of the goblins of Mount Graham in the Battle of the Greenfields and knocked their King Golfinbill's head clean off so that it the battle was won and the game of golf invented at the same moment, I think that's like... It shows that uh, the Hobbit world is an older version of our world, is what it shows. And that the map may be different, but the concepts are the same and still are the same. And I think that concludes chapter one of The Hobbit. And... Until next time, this is Isaac, your host, and I will see you next time on the PPP Pod.